I'm going to first talk a little bit about my background and uh, where I came from and talk about uh, how faith played into my profession as a law enforcement officer. And then share a little bit about my family's uh, own personal tragedy and some things that I took away from that. And then um, maybe talk about uh, some things as far as uh, parents or their kids if they get involved in, uh, um, in law enforcement issues, as we call them. You know, so. Some of this uh, gets in emotional, um, but so if I have to stop for a second and uh, you know pull myself together, you know, I don't mind it if you don't mind it. It doesn't mean I don't like talking about it. You know, I do. It's just um, it, it gets me very emotional sometimes, and you know, not just my story, but the other story I'm going to share here. So, I was born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, I am also one of 13 children. I'm the ninth uh, out of 13 children. When I was a junior in high school, I decided I wanted to get into law enforcement. I wanted to be a policeman. And I'm not sure why, you know, at that time, my dad owned a music store and my mom uh, was a nurse, but uh, after two or three of the kids, she ended up being a, a stay-at-home mom. So, um, but I decided when I grew up, I wanted to be a policeman. So I accomplished half of that anyway. I became a policeman. And never grew up. Most of the speakers, uh, you know, that I hear have props in that. I'm thinking, you know, what can I have props there? You know, I thought for sure Danny would be handing out free books to, you know, to everybody who's books there, but uh, that didn't happen. But I'd like to call Aunt Emily if you could come up here. This is my youngest, Emily. And um, just, uh, you know, kind of give you where I came from as far as getting into, uh, you know, police work. Last Tuesday, I was having a real hectic day, trying to multitask in with everything, and uh, uh, my bride here works on Tuesday evenings, you know, later hours, so it's up to me to get dinner on the table. Well, I'm ashamed to say it was getting close to 8 o'clock, and there's no, still no dinner on the table, and I'm, I'm talking to one of these coaches from the soccer team, uh, and I said, you know what, I really have to, you know, get dinner on the table, or I'm in trouble with the wife. So I get to talking to him, and I hang up, and I go off into the kitchen, and here's Emily peeling some potatoes I had set out. I said, Emily, what are you doing? She goes, well, I heard you were busy, and so I was just trying to help. Aww. And she was beaming with happiness. And I said, you know, that is really the reason, you know, I think about that, that I got into law enforcement. Okay, thank you. We have a profession where we can go out there and, and help people. And I even consider when we're arresting people, we're helping people. We're helping the victims. We're helping these people themselves. Uh, you know, hopefully, they don't go on, you know, to, to bigger and uh, you know worse things. So, um, I pursued law enforcement not to get into gun battles, you know, not to get in bar fights, but really, uh, I wanted to, you know, be out there in in a way and, and to and to help people. I went off to college in Livonia, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. And I thought, we're better to learn about police work than Detroit. <laughs> and so, in, um, while I was there, I, met, uh, I got married uh, to my wife, Lynn, and uh, we had started our family there. And when I graduated, um, about seven or eight months later on, I was able to get the job here in, in Park Ridge. So I've been a police officer, I was a police officer here in Park Ridge uh, since 1981, um, when I was at the young age of 21. Our family continued to grow in numbers, 
And uh, Linda and I had 10 children before she was killed in an automobile accident in June of 1999. In 2002, I started a new chapter in my life uh, when I married my children's pediatrician. <laughs> and um, Linda has uh, two daughters, and Linda and I have Emily, so now who has the 13 children? And actually have even uh, the same amount of boys and girls as, uh, as my mom and dad did, and so it's kind of interesting. So, the aspect I love about police work, though, is that every day on the street was different. And, you know, like I said, um, I think if I was still a patrol officer, I'd still be on the job today. Uh, that is where, you know, you really get the most, uh, you know, out of it and, and working with people. Uh, and that is what I really, really enjoy. And as you do move up, you get a big say in how the police department is run, but you lose that disconnect as far as going out there, you know, with the people. So I, I really did love the street, but uh, police work, it was a great career uh, because it was all different. There's no book that tells you how, how to handle situations. Uh, you know, you got your laws and your court cases and your policies and that to kind of guide you. Uh, but but uh, also, you have to go on every call and then, you know, try to put the pieces together and, and how uh, best to, to, to respond. There's just no one size fits all for answers out there. So this is true for officers handling sudden death report assignments. The timing of some deaths are expected uh, because of their health dwindling due to age or because of someone that has maybe a terminal illness. Uh, although very difficult for all, some families are emotionally prepared you know, to handle this when it's expected. Uh, and, and others are still, even though it's expected, have a very difficult time to, uh, to handle it. Then when it's uh, an unexpected death, either from an accident or maybe a sudden medical condition such as a heart attack, uh, you know, something like that, or probably the most difficult would be a, a suicide or a homicide. Um, there the officer's walk, walking into a, uh, an environment that is very, very highly charged emotionally. So that's one of the uh, most difficult calls that I, you know, would, would, would respond to. Because uh, you feel, you know, you're an outsider and you have to be like Joe Friday from the, uh, the FBI series. You're there to get the facts, but yet you're in a very, very emotional uh, environment there. Um, in 1991, exactly 19 years from tomorrow, a very defining moment in my career was responding to the horrific tragedy of a little three-year-old girl that was struck by an automobile crossing the street right in front of her house. I pulled up on the scene and the paramedics and a police officer was performing CPR on this little girl. Well, I, I seen a mom over there that I knew and I knew that she had lived right there. And so I walked up there and she was very calm and consoling the driver of this vehicle. And I asked her who the little girl was. And she said, it's mine, that's my Emma. So, the ambulance transport was transported up to the hospital, and uh, I brought her son uh, in the car with me and followed the ambulance up there. And her or her husband just met him there at the at the hospital. Uh, he came straight from his work in, uh, downtown. So when we got there, they had a little private room for for the family, the waiting room for the family there. And, you know, the chaplain arrived there, and Father Dan Mayo was an associate uh, priest here at St. Paul the Cross. 
he also you know, arrived there at the hospital, was in there with the family. So I was off in a separate area with the paramedics and the officer when they notified us that uh, Emma didn't, uh, that Emma had died, that Emma didn't make it. A few minutes later, when a nurse kind of approached me in a, in a panic mode, she knew that I knew the family, and she says, you have to get in there. They won't believe the hospital that their little girl had died. So I'm thinking, what am I going to say? You know, you have the, the, the chaplain in there, you have the doctor in there, and you have Father Mayo in there. And, and I didn't know what I would say. So I went in there, and what did I say? I said, nothing. I just gave a hug. I didn't want to, I think, you know, maybe shed a few tears with her. And then just expressed, you know, my sorrow for, you know, for their loss. You know, so much. She was in there with, uh, you know, her husband and, and her, um, her brother. Actually, her little daughter went across the street because her brother that she adored was over there cutting the grass, realized he wasn't supposed to be over there, and, and, and then went back. But that was enough, you know, just to be there. And after I left, I thought, wow, you know, not that I did anything wonderful, it was a very wonderful job, but I just really felt strongly that the Lord used me to, you know, help this family um, come to the, uh, the, the realization, uh, you know, that their little girl, uh, you know, was gone. And, and as difficult as that was, um, th that felt was a really a good feeling that, that I could give this family uh, after such a horrific tragedy uh, that little bit of comfort. So after that, I had no problem really going uh, to any of these sudden death calls anymore. I really kind of felt like, um, you know, that was something that I could be used for uh, and, and, and be helpful for. So, um, as a supervisor, I was a lieutenant at a time, I had flexibility to, to go on any, any of the calls that, you know, was put over there. So anytime there was a, a call of a sudden death, um, I, I tried, if I could, you know, to make it over there. Just to, you know, offer some condolences and, you know, to express our sorrow for their loss. And also to, uh, you know, see if there's anything the department can do. Because there's a lot of questions, especially when it's unexpected, there's a lot, a lot of questions, uh, you know, that they have. Even if I was off duty, if I came in um, and found out that I was off duty, that some a family that I knew, um, had someone pass away. I would try to get over there if I could, because I could just see that it, it did show, you know, some comfort. Because I learned it's not what you say, it's just that you're there, and that you, um, um, you're there, they, they, they know that, they realize that somebody um, cares. You know. um, close to a decade later, I was on the receiving end of this response, and could only then really understand its impact. <laughs> um, my wife of 20 years was killed in a car accident in which the van that her and I and eight of our 10 children were, were riding in, along with a friend of ours, uh, Maggie Burke's daughter, if anybody knows Maggie, when it rolled over several times. My, uh, my deputy chief, a fellow commander, a sergeant, and a patrol officer drove all the way down to Springfield where this accident occurred at just to express their sorrow and just offer anything that they could do to assist them. 
When we drove back from Springfield on Saturday, Father Carl Morello, the pastor here at the time, was standing in our driveway, you know, just waiting there to, um, uh, you know, to greet us and to offer his condolences and anything that he could do. And I don't remember anyone, I don't remember anything that any one of them said. Um, I just remember that they were there. It, it, could have been e it couldn't have been easy for them, but I knew at that time that I was not alone. That was very comforting to go there and, and, and to see your priest there and see your fellow workers there behind you. That Monday, I was walking, um, this was on Saturday, so then Monday, and I woke up and I was walking to church. I lived right around uh, on the other side of the railroad tracks, so I thought I'd get up and go to church and, and say some prayers for Lynn. And um, as I'm walking up Summit, I see a teacher coming um, in the opposite direction towards me. And uh, she kind of had a startled look, and she gave me a hug and, and, and gave me her condolences. What was funny was later on when I was speaking to her, she revealed that um, when she saw me, she just wanted to crawl under a rock and hide because she didn't know what to say. So I'm so glad that she didn't. She would have got so dirty. But, uh, but it, what, it, it does mean a lot. And I could share other stories there, too, that people walking by her house, they don't want to come in, uh, you know, uh, because you really had a word for loss. And, you know, from my experience, uh, the words aren't the important thing. It's knowing that, you know, the people are there for you. Another uh, uncomfortable situation for me was being involved around when someone uh, that I knew from, uh, from a family that I knew was arrested. Uh, it was usually the kids, but sometimes it was, uh, you know, the, the parents. Um, and they're, they're, they were arrested. And then you're either involved with it around there, um, and, you know, you have to talk to them. But over time, I became very comfortable with that because there are two I felt that in my position, I was able to give them assistance, not to get out of it, um, but I was able to be used in my position there to, to talk to these parents. And first, uh, you know, and I would always tell them that their world is not ending, that um, the, uh, the newspapers that their, you know, their names are printed in will be used for tomorrow's garbage, and next week there'll be other, you know, gossip to be put in there. Um, so I just wanted to reassure them that, uh, you know, life will go on and... Um, that their embarrassment would be, um, you know, for, uh, forgotten about, uh, for the most part. But second, without revealing too much, I would have to admit that uh, after so many tries, not one of my kids were perfect. I didn't get all these gray hairs from sweeping up their angel dust. But then, believe it or not, I wasn't a perfect kid either. So I could relate to their anger, I could relate to their, uh, you know, their disappointment and their embarrassment, and I would never judge them on the mistakes that your children, you know, made. If I did that, I'd have to judge myself 13 times over. So we'll talk more about those at the end as far as, you know, situations there. But I just felt that I could do good there um, just to give them reassurance that the world's not ending and, you know, we all go through it. So God works through others. I've learned that many times over. And one, uh, one story that I was sharing with Jeff that he wanted to share with me was in 1989, my wife Lynn and I, with our um, oldest son Tom, who was 10 at the time, and uh, daughter Beth, who had been 9 at the time, we took a trip to Medjugorje. Uh, we went on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Uh, Medjugorje. 
So, most of our group there was from a parish from San Antonio, Texas. And even the spiritual advisor was a priest from, from that church. So he pretty much knew everybody. There's there probably out of the whole busload, maybe about five or six of us uh, that weren't from this parish in San Antonio. So then one evening, our group gathered in a large uh, room that, um, and the priest wanted us to share what our experiences were. Some people saw the miracle of the sun while we were climbing up the, up the hill, and uh, others were telling stories how they could smell the fragrance of, of roses and, and there were none around there. And he, he noticed the one lady in her wheelchair there that he knew because she was from his parish, and she was just sitting there very quiet. So he asked her friend, uh, you know, what experience did you have? And she said, nothing. So then he said, well, what did you hope for when you, when, uh, you, know, you came on this pilgrimage? And she says, well, I wanted to be able to walk again. And she had some degenerate uh, you know, disease that um, she had, she was explaining how um, she had rods in her back at one time. I think they, they were taken out, but she, you know, she hadn't walked for a long time. She could stand up and take a step or two with a walker, but that was about it. So the priest asked if all of us would gather around here, lay our hands on her, and, and pray for her. So there was way too many of us for all of us to lay hands on. Oh, I, another one that went with us, I, I'm sorry, it was my 11-year-old niece from Omaha. You know, she went on the trip with us. So my 11-year-old niece put her hand on her knee, and she like really tensed up because it's always painful, and she says that, and everybody else in that front row kind of laid their hands on her, and then the rest of us were just, you know, kind of like in a, in a football huddle, you know, standing back there with their hands on the person in front of us. So I'm standing there with my hand on my, my wife's shoulder there, and, and praying for this woman, and as I felt this electricity going through my, down my arm and, and through my finger. So I'm sitting there peeking through, you know, here to see, you know, what, am I cutting off the circulation here? What's this tingling sensation I got here? And um, no, it wasn't. It was just laying right up there. Um, and then the woman says, you know, oh, I got to take this off. You know, she got very, very warm, and she had to get out of her jacket. It was very cool over there. So she takes her jacket off, and then she wanted to stand up. So she stands up, and she cautiously walks, you know, back and forth a little bit, and then a little bit fast, and she was just so elated. She was as happy as can be. And she points to my 11-year-old niece, and she says, you healed me. <laughs> well, 11 years old, that frightened the, the dickens out of my niece, and she started crying, you know. And so the priest was quick to her jacket. He says, um, you know, men, I mean, uh, we can't uh, heal people, you know, miraculously heal. God heals people. And he loves to work through children. Um, so, you know, this all kind of relates together is if we let God work through us, he will. I, I think even, you know, we're all sinners and we, we think of ourselves sinners. We know better than anybody else. So sometimes we feel that um, you know, we're just not worthy, you know, of it. And, and that's, I think, something that's uh, important to overcome, that we're all sinners. But we still have to be open, you know, to God to let him use us and, and do his work through us.